Hey there, future friends. This week, we know a dog with a dream, we know a maid with a dream, and we know a woman who dreams of not being charged with murder. This is the week of July 15th, 2022, and you are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. Welcome to the show. That's right. It is Future Flicks back with a normal episode. If you haven't had a chance to yet, check out my Thor Love and Thunder review that has already been released. As always, the first half is spoiler free, so you don't have to worry about being spoiled if you haven't seen it. I do give you plenty of warning. But as you listen to this show, let me tell you what it is I do here in case you've never heard an episode. On the show, I do a few things that is talk about movies and then give my opinions on them. I try to find out about all of the movies coming out during the week, and I break them up into two categories, the first being the limited release category. That's any movie that's not getting a nationwide release or also not coming out on a major streaming service, and it did nothing to catch my eye. Does it mean it's a bad film? No, not really. It just means that the trailer did nothing to catch my attention. I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. I may give a thought or two, but that's usually it. In the next section, called the Wide Releases and Interesting Indies, that's every wide release, so every nationwide release and everything coming to a major streaming service, no matter how good I think it is, or bad I think it is. And those indie films that did catch my eye. In that section, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, who's in it, and then I do give my thoughts on it, and I wrap that all up with a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score aka the bill score and that score can go anywhere from a zero for those awful looking films and zero is a rare score to an 11 for those films that make me so very excited so an 11 is just a 10 that gets me oh so very excited i then give a pick of the week which is my opinion saying hey friend if you go see one movie this week this should be it but again feel free to watch anything you want because hey it's just me talking to you through a podcast do whatever you want if you do see something and you have thoughts on it, always let me know. You can find my contact information in the show notes, but email me at billiamreviews at gmail.com, Twitter at futureflixpod, and billiamswn on Instagram as well. But for now, let's jump into the limited release section with a movie called Summering. During their last days of summer and childhood, the weekend before middle school begins, four girls struggle with the harsh truths of growing up and embarking on a mysterious adventure after they find a dead body. This stars Sanai Victoria from Diary of a Future President, Madeline Mills from Jingle Jangle, and Eden Grace Redfield from Our Flag Means Death. I'll be honest, if I could find an actual trailer for this film, it may have made it in the next section because it does sound interesting. But all I was able to find on the YouTubes was a video about the director talking about the film. And it sounds like an interesting idea. It sounds like a director who's passionate and has good ideas. But if I can't find your trailer from a simple YouTube search, 
then you need to work on selling your movie better. I'm sorry. Next up, we have a film called The Royal. The promising career of former Kansas City Royal slugger Willie Mays Aikens quickly turns disastrous because of drug addiction. This stars Amin Joseph from Snowfall, Andrea Nevado from Jane the Virgin, Nick Bishop from Snowfall, and Elizabeth Rom from Law and Order. I do always feel bad by putting biopics in the limited release section as if I'm saying, no, your story sucks. But I do have to remember that I'm approaching these as a movie, no matter what they're about. Sometimes, yes, the the topic is important enough that I will try and push it. But in this case, it just doesn't look that good. Next up in the limited release section is a film called American Carnage. After a governor issues an executive order to arrest the children of undocumented immigrants, the newly detained youth are offered an opportunity to have their charges dropped by volunteering to provide care to the elderly. So that was the premise given. But if you watch the trailer, this is a horror. So let me just tell you who's in it, and then we will get to a little about that. So this stars George Lendenborg Jr. from Love, Simon, Jenna Ortega from Scream, the uh, latest Scream movie, Alan Maldonado from The Wonder Years' new show, Eric Dane from Grey's Anatomy, Brett Cullen from Joker, and George Diaz from East Los High. So this is a horror movie from Saban Films, and basically these kids, these children of undocumented immigrants are given this opportunity to go, hey, go care for these old people, do community service, you'll have these charges dropped and it'll be fine. But what they're not told is that there's some sort of weird experiment going on or something's wrong with the old people, or basically their lives are in danger. So this could be interesting, it could be a sleeper hit, but I was just left so on the fence by the trailer that I couldn't put it in the next section. We only have Four more films in the limited section, my friends, so let's talk about She Will. This film explores the story of Veronica Gett, who, after a double mastectomy, goes to a healing retreat in rural Scotland with her young nurse, Desi. She discovers that the process of such surgery opens up questions about her very existence, leading her to start to question and confront past traumas. The two develop an unlikely bond as mysterious forces give Veronica the power to enact revenge within her dreams. This stars Alice Krieg from Star Trek First Contact, Malcolm McDowell from Star Trek Generations, Rupert Everett from My Best Friend's Wedding, Olwen Fourier from The Northman, and Kota Eberhardt from X-Men Dark Phoenix. Again, this one could be good, especially with Alice Krieg and Malcolm McDowell, but the trailer was just a little boring. Next up, folks, we have another movie that almost made it into the next section, and that is called Karma Link. In this Buddhist sci-fi mystery set in the near future, Nam Feng, a young Cambodian detective, and I'm very sorry for mispronouncing his name, untangles a link between her friend's past life dreams of a lost gold artifact and a neuroscientist's determination to attain digital enlightenment. So this is a movie from Cambodia, and... It could be pretty cool, but there were also parts in the trailer where I just was not into it. So keep your eye open for this if it ever comes to streaming or maybe your local library gets it. Remember to check Canopy. Keep checking that app because uh, if you have a library card, you can rent up to eight movies a month on Canopy. So that's pretty good. Next up, we have a movie called Wrong Place. A methamphetamines cook hunts down the former police chief of a small town in order to silence him. 
before he can deliver eyewitness testimony against his family, but ultimately finds himself up against more than he had bargained for. This stars Ashley Green from Twilight, Bruce Willis from Die Hard, and Texas Battle from Coach Carter. I do feel really bad for Bruce Willis, not just because he has aphasia. I mean, that, that's super awful. Don't even get me wrong. That, that's a big part of why I feel bad. But also because later in his career, most of his movies, unless he happened to get a sequel to one of his franchises or get invited to something bigger, were just straight to VOD, straight to video movies that no one really cared about. I mean, they're kind of fun if you just like basic action films. And this looks like one of those. Finally, in the limited section, we have one that we're going to talk about in more depth on the 22nd. But for now, I'll just mention this briefly. It's called The Gray Man, getting a limited theatrical release this week, Netflix on the 22nd. When the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets, a psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. This stars Ryan Gosling from La La Land, Ana de Armas from Knives Out, Chris Evans from Captain America, Alfre Woodard from Star Trek First Contact, yes, I will mention Star Trek every chance I get, Jessica Henwick from Love and Monsters, Wagner Mora from Narcos, Reggae Jean Page from Bridgerton, and Billy Bob Thornton from Sling Blade. So of course I will talk about this movie more in depth when it actually comes out on Netflix, but for now, if you care enough to see it in the theaters, you don't need me to talk about it on the show. So we'll just say that I'll give my full thoughts on the 22nd. Well, my future friends, that is it for the first half of the show. But you know what? Before we go into the break, let me talk quickly about three documentaries that did catch my attention, but I struggled putting them in the wide releases part. And they are, but if you've listened to the show before, you know I struggle with documentaries and recommending them or not because it's 100% on your interests. You could even fully agree with everything they're saying in the documentary, but maybe you just don't want to watch a movie about it. So I do want to recommend these because I think they're about very important things, but also they're not for everyone. So let's talk about Gabby Giffords Won't Back Down. Looking at the former Congresswoman's courage and perseverance in the aftermath of the 2021 assassination attempt that left her partially paralyzed and with a language impairment, aphasia. Oh Jesus, and we were just talking about Bruce Willis who has that. That's insane. So this is a documentary about Gabby Giffords. If you remember that happening in 2021, she's running for Congress, uh, wins, but gets shot in the head and survives. And this is her story and her, her story leading up to it, her story after and her struggle to gain back as much as she can. But also talking about the gun violence epidemic we are experiencing in America. And I think if anyone can talk about that, she can. This does look very good and important to watch. So it's why I wanted it in the next section. But it's not just about the topic, right? It, it has to actually look good. It has to look like a well put together movie. It could be about the topic you are the most passionate about, and if it doesn't look well done, you may skip it. Luckily, all three of these do look like they're really well done. Next up, we have one called When We Speak, and all three of these are limited, except for the last one that gets a dual release uh, later this year, actually. So When We Speak follows three incredible stories of women who risked everything to tell the truth. Their stories became worldwide scandals and took a personal toll on each of their lives. 
This is a documentary featuring Rose McGowan uh, because she is one of those three women. Of course, she came out and talked about Harvey Weinstein when no one else would. And I think this documentary is important, too, just because these people exposed huge crimes. And I actually forgot what the other two were about because I was just so stuck on the fact that Rose McGowan was featured in this. But if these people didn't speak up, who knows how long these crimes would have kept going? And so often we think of whistleblower with a negative connotation. But when it's something like this, they should be praised. So this documentary isn't just about what they blew the whistle on, but how it affected them personally during and after. And I think that is something we need to pay attention to. And finally, the last documentary we have to talk about is called From Where They Stood. This is getting a limited release this week and coming to Amazon Prime and Apple TV Plus on September 13th. So although they were risking their lives by doing so, prisoners in concentration camps and extermination camps took photographs and even managed to smuggle canisters of film beyond the camp gates. This is a documentary from Germany. Whenever a movie or a documentary about the Holocaust comes out, it can't help but cross my mind that Holocaust deniers are a thing. The thing with this documentary is that it does look really interesting because we have these photos from the concentration camps taken at them, and these people talk about the photos and go around to the places where they were taken. So this documentary looks interesting, not just because it's an important topic, but also because it's an interestingly new idea with a familiar topic. So my future friends, that is it for the first half of the show officially now. So please enjoy this word from our good friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, and we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa, even though Robbie and Lisa did not give my favorite book, Less by Andrew Sean Greer, five stars. I mean, what the hell, guys? I feel like you're personally attacking me, and uh, I'm hurt. That's all I got to say, and no, I am kidding. I will always love you. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. Alright, we are back with the wide releases and interesting indie, so let's jump right into it with the first movie of the week that's called One Up. This is an Amazon original movie that follows a gamer who quits her college esports team due to sexism from her male counterparts and forms her own all-female team. But unfortunately, the school will only fund one of them, so a match is held to see who the official school team will be. This stars Paris Berlick from Hubie Halloween. Ruby Rose from John Wick Chapter 2, and Hari Neff from Assassination Nation. So if you boil down the premise, we have an interesting idea. We have this woman, part of an esports team at her college, 
which really isn't a cringy premise anymore because these college teams for esports really do exist and people get like scholarships for them and shit. But she is on her esports team and guess what? There are toxic males on her team. And then she quits and wants to form her own female team, but then finds out, hey, she has a scholarship. If she doesn't play, she doesn't go to school. So that's how the match comes to be. The problem with modern movies about people playing video games is that it's so easy to get wrong. And if you don't play video games, it may be very, very easy for you to ignore. But if you at least have a passing familiarity with video games, it'll be hard to ignore. I, I remember back when I still watched that awful show NCIS and there's this line that just made me cringe where one of the characters is going to visit this gamer and recognizes them and go, oh, you have that high score in that MMORPG. Did, did the creators of the show even look up an MMO or ask someone going, hey, you, have you ever played World of Warcraft? Is a high score a thing? No, thank you, actual human being that I talked to about this. Let me take this line out of the show. The good news is it doesn't look like 1UP is that bad. But my only question is, if they didn't make some sort of partnership with an actual video game, because I don't recognize when they're playing, but I am not some teenager who loves Fortnite or Apex Legends or whatever, so I could very well be watching gameplay from that and not know it. But my only hope is that if they did have to create their own, and even if they didn't, they're not cringy about it. So that's why I'm still iffy about this film, even if it does sound interesting. 1UP could be good, or it could be a cringy mess. And because of that, I give it a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, my friends, we have a film called Gone in the Night. When Kath and her boyfriend arrive at a remote cabin in the Redwoods, they find a mysterious younger couple already there. Her boyfriend disappears with the young woman, and Kath becomes obsessed with finding an explanation. This stars Winona Ryder from Stranger Things. John Gallagher Jr. from The Newsroom, Dermot Mulroney from Young Guns, Brianne Ju, I think TJU is how you spell it, from I Know What You Did Last Summer, the TV show, Elaine Ui from Paper Tigers, and Owen Teague from It Chapters 1 and 2. If there's one thing that current Winona Ryder is really good at, it's looking confused. They even made a meme about it. But this one, she's confused for a reason, because her and her boyfriend show up at this Airbnb they rented, there's people already there. But it's really late at night, and they just decide, hey, let's share it for now, work everything else out in the morning. But when they wake up, Winona Ryder finds her boyfriend's gone, and so is the woman that was with the guy who was there when they got there. So it's a mystery about her trying to find out where he is, and also who's, who's involved. Is the woman, the missing woman, involved in it? Is her boyfriend? Is the Airbnb owner who seems like a weirdo himself? It just seems like an interesting mystery thriller that could be just put on the back burner, just put on your list of things to watch later. Right now, no. Gone in the Night gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next, we have another limited release, and it's the last limited release of the week, and it's called Queens of Glory. Ghanaian American Sarah is all set to abandon her Ivy League doctoral program to follow her married lover across the country. After her mother dies, she finds herself inheriting her house and the bookshop she owned. This stars Nana Mensa from 13 Reasons Why and Miko from Euphoria. So I think this one looks like it could be really good. 
And it may have been the pick of the week on another week, but I just find it hard sometimes because I have to balance the pick of the week with how easy something is going to be to see. Like when Paper Tigers came out, which I mentioned a little while back, uh, still on Netflix, still one of my favorite recent films. I believe that was a dual pick because it was going to be pretty hard to see. And Queen of Glory looked good, but not good enough to make it as a pick. So this movie has this young woman who is about to make a terrible decision. She is going to leave her doctoral program to follow a married man across the country. Does that already say a lot about the type of person she is? Yes, it does. But in any good movie, we have growth. And her growth is going to be based around what her mother leaves her. So there's, there's this little bookstore and bakery, I think it is. And she sees this dude there who looks like the bakery bookstore would be the last place he'd be covered in tattoos, a little, little mean looking, kind of your stereotypical gangster type. And you find out that he works there. He's an ex-con. Her mother gave him a job, turned his life around, and he just might turn her life around. So while she's dealing with closing up her mother's life, like what to do with the house, what to do with the bookstore, maybe she's going to learn a lesson on the way. This looks really good. Looks like something to keep your eye on because it may just be a sleeper hit. What really got me with the trailer was the the, the chemistry between Sarah and the dude played by Miko. And already in the trailer, you can see her warming up. And I am a sucker for these movies of self-discovery where people realize, hey, maybe this life I'm living isn't for me. And it's not too late to change. It's never too late to change. And here's my journey. I think this looks like a quality movie to keep your eye on for later. Queen of Glory gets an 8 out of 11. All right, friends. Next up is a movie called Persuasion. This is a Netflix original. Eight years after Anne Elliot was persuaded not to marry a dashing man of humble origins, they meet again. Will she seize her second chance at true love? This stars Dakota Johnson from Fifty Shades of Grey, Cosmo Jarvis from Lady Macbeth, Henry Golding, Henry Golding from Crazy Rich Asians, Richard E. Grant from Gosford Park, Nikki Amuka Bird from Old, and Mia McKenna Bruce from The Dumping Ground. So we have another period piece, uh, this one a Netflix period piece, and in the vein of Bridgerton, it's not just full of white people. And I said this before, and this might be one of the new things I say every time it comes up, but I, I don't mind. Like, is it historically accurate to see so many people of different nationalities as higher class people in Victorian England? No, it's not historically accurate, but I, I don't care. You know, younger me might have cared. Younger me might have cared about historical accuracy, uh, but younger me was also an idiot. The fact that we're seeing people of color, and not just black people who were in England, but Asians too and, and everyone like that, it, it doesn't matter. But we got that out of the way. It doesn't matter. Yay. But what does matter is that this this just looks okay. This movie looks like it was made especially for people who love period pieces because it's not really doing anything different to bring in other people. Do you like period pieces? Then watch this. If you don't, skip it. It just seems easy peasy. Persuasion gets a six out of 11. Next up in the show, we have a movie called Don't Make Me Go. This is coming to Amazon Prime. When a single father to a teenage daughter learns that he has a fatal brain tumor, he takes her on a road trip to find the mother who abandoned her years before and try to teach her 
everything she might need to know over the rest of her life. This stars John Cho from Star Trek Into Darkness, K.S. Scodelario from Crawl, and introducing Mia Isaac as the daughter. So here's a good question before going into this movie. Do you want to cry? Okay, first off, are you the type who cries at movies? If you are, do you want to? And if you said yes to both of these, this could be for you. Of course, this has the benefit of one of those movies coming to a streaming service that you probably already have. So why not check it out? John Cho is a good actor. I'm glad that we're seeing him get more roles where he's just not the supporting character. He is a good leading man and he can be a great leading man. He just needs the chance to prove it. And while this may not be that movie per se, it is something that can get him more roles because this looks like a good movie. It's a familiar story. We've seen stories like this before. But the good news is it seems different enough that it's not a copy of something. But with this, we're getting a road trip movie but not one of the road trip comedies. We're getting a road trip movie kind of like Little Miss Sunshine if that was more serious. It was a dark comedy, mind you, but I doubt this will have as many laughs. And it, if it does have laughs, it's not going to have laughs because of a comedic element. But maybe something funny just happened when this father and daughter were traveling around. This movie looks heartwarming and like it'd be enjoyable, but also ultimately predictable until it comes to his actual fate. It is hard to tell with these movies, are they going to kill the parent, or will the parent actually survive the surgery that might save them, or will we just not know, will it end before the surgery happens? Because in the trailer, they do tell him, hey, there's surgery that could potentially help, but, big but, it could kill you. So do you want the possibility of a longer time with your loved ones that could be cut short, or... You know you'll get this time with them, but the possibility of anything beyond is just going to be a no-go. Don't Make Me Go looks good, it looks heart-wrenching, and it looks like a good movie to watch on streaming this week. Don't Make Me Go gets a 7.5 out of 11. Next up, my friends, is the first of four nationwide releases... Well, actually, I should say the first of four possible nationwide releases. Uh, I'll get into more detail about that later. But the first one is called Paws of Fury, The Legend of Hank. Hank, a lovable dog with a head full of dreams about becoming a samurai, sets off in search of his destiny. This is an animated movie with a vocal cast of Michael Cera, Ricky Gervais, George Takei, Gabriel Iglesias, Mel Brooks, Jimin Honsu, Michelle Yeoh, and Samuel L. Jackson. And look, an animated movie about a dog that wants to become a samurai and has Asian themes has two Asians in it. Wow, aren't we lucky? He says sarcastically. This looks bad. It does. I mean, even if we're talking about movies that you can take your family to see, if we're talking about a day out for the family, still... This is only good because it's the only one out. Actually, it's not the only one out. Minions Rise of Gru is out. You should see that instead. And the sad thing is, even if this did have a full Asian cast, or they changed it from samurais to, I don't know, a knight in medieval Europe or something, even then, it just doesn't look good. It looks like someone who watched Kung Fu Panda decided, oh, I have an idea, and then it took them years and years and years and years to write the script, and now it's finally out, and it's crap. And this film is in that sweet spot of it doesn't look bad, but it doesn't look good. This looks just meh. 
I can't say I'll never watch it, but I can also say with certainty I will never watch it on purpose. But who knows, maybe I could be wrong. Like, uh, I remember a while back, I probably even said it on the show, I happened to watch that movie The Bad Guys on TikTok of all places. Someone was watching it and was streaming from their phone, so I just watched it through their phone, and it, it was a fine movie. I think I would have really liked it in the theaters. So who knows, I could be wrong. This could be a certified hit, but it just doesn't look that good from the trailer. It looks too basic and like it's not doing anything special enough to get my attention. And with the with the vocal cast, I understand some of it. I don't get Michael Sarah. Ricky Gervais has a unique enough accent, as does George Takei, Gabriel Iglesias, Mel Brooks, Michelle Yeoh, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Jimin Honsu, yeah, maybe he does too. But still, you're telling me that a trained voice actor couldn't have done these roles too? And oh, Billy, you may be saying, will you bring that up every time we watch an animated film? And I'll say, yes, yes, I will, because it is a big deal to me. Why do we need these big stars in these movies just to do a voice when their star power really has no effect because A, it's a movie for kids, so who gives a, a shit that like Brad Pitt or Tom Holland is doing a voice? Even though I love her to death, Zendaya, who, who cares? So Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, looks mediocre at best, and because of that, it gets a 5 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie called Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, another nationwide release. A widowed cleaning lady in 1950s London falls madly in love with a couture duar dress and decides that she must have one of her own. This stars Leslie Manville from The Crown, Jason Isaacs from The Patriot, and Isabel Huppert from Elle. So this one looks cute. Uh, it really does. But this looks like one of those movies that one day you stumble upon and you just watch it and you enjoy it, but it's not really going in your collection. It's not really memorable. Maybe you may drop it as a recommendation to someone when you're struggling for a recommendation. But this is also a familiar movie. It kind of gives me, if Pretty Woman wasn't about a prostitute and also took place in, like, 1950s England, then we have this movie because we have Mrs. Harris. She's been working hard as a cleaning lady her whole life. Her husband passes away and she finds out that he left some money or maybe it was life insurance or something, but she now comes into money. And one of the houses she cleans is for this super rich lady who has a Duar dress and she loves this dress. So she travels to Paris to get herself a Duar dress and guess what? She walks in to the shop where they sell it, and the women there basically just ignore her, going, oh, no, you you don't belong here. Just go. Just go. And she's adamant. She's, no, I have money. I've been saving up money. I have money. This is for me. And they go, no, lady, you better leave. And then someone else who works for the company sees her and goes, oh, you poor thing. Come with me. So she actually is brought back and allowed to look at the dresses, but... She wants one made for her. So this is a movie about kind of realizing you're worth it. And I bet you somewhere in between is a lesson that she doesn't need the dress. Like this won't, the item itself won't make her happy, but she still wants it. And there's going to be something like that in there. This looks like a cute film, something enjoyable, but also something forgettable. Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris gets a 7 out of 11. All right, my future friends, two movies left, and the last movie that's not the pick of the week is 
Where the Crawdads Sing A woman who raised herself in the marshes of the Deep South becomes a suspect in the murder of a man she was once involved with. This stars Daisy Edgar Jones from Normal People, Taylor John Smith from Sharp Objects, Harris Dickinson from The King's Man, David Strathairn from Good Night and Good Luck, and Michael Hyatt from Snowfall. So if you haven't heard about this, this is based on a very, very popular book. And this author is potentially problematic, but not in the normal ways. So this was written by Delia Owens. And Delia Owens is a person of interest in a murder in Zambia. Yes, a person of interest in a murder in another country, not just another country, in an African country. Because the person that she supposedly, or is a person of interest of murdering, was a poacher because apparently her and her husband years back were in Zambia fighting poaching and created like this little military group. And there's a lot of hearsay around it. So do keep in mind that the only thing that is 100% true is that they were in Zambia. They had this little group of anti-poachers and they are, her and her husband are people of interest in a murder. Everything else is speculation, but that's crazy. I mean, it is very refreshing that one time we're not having some author who's an awful rapist or a pedophile or something, or some outrageous racist or transphobe like uh, J.K. Rowling, so that's, that's good on that front. This movie is brought to us by executive producer Reese Witherspoon, who I think did this for her book club. Reese has a book club that always promotes female authors, and... Also, there's an original song from Taylor Swift for this movie. So that's pretty exciting for fans of Reese's Book Club. But how does this look as a movie, forgetting all of that other stuff? Forgetting the allegations of, uh, of murder, forgetting the fact that this is a big deal in the book world, forgetting all that, how does this look? It looks okay. It looks like a beautifully shot movie. It looks, from the technical standpoint, of movies as an art form, it looks good. It really does. But it also looks kind of boring. So this young woman raised herself in a, in a marsh. Why was she alone in a marsh as a child raising herself? I don't know. Why didn't she turn out to be some sort of crazy hermit person? I don't know either. I bet you the book will say why she's somewhat normal, despite the fact that she's a weirdo who lives in a swamp. But what this reads like to me is some sort of really weird Tarzan fan fiction. But here's the thing. This does look good. It looks like a quality film. But now the question is, how is the story? It is a popular book, but just because it's a popular book doesn't mean it's good. My wife read the book, and I trust her judgment 100% because she picked me. Am I right? But, uh, but joking aside, she says she'd give it about a 3.75 out of 5, and she said it was well-written, just kind of boring, which if you watch the trailer, you could see that it's just kind of boring. But you also have to weigh the fact that it does look like it's well done. It looks beautifully shot. I like the main actress. I never finished watching the show, which we have to get to, but Daisy Edgar Jones was in Normal People, which was a really good show. So if you do choose to see this in the theaters, will it be a good choice? Yeah, sure. I do think something that looks better in every aspect is also coming out, except one, 
that it may not be a nationwide release. Where the Crawdads Sing looks like a quality movie and like it could be worth your time. But is it the type of film that needs to be seen on the big screen? No. Where the Crawdads Sing gets a 7.5 out of 11. My future friends, the pick of the week, it is that time. And the pick of the week is a maybe nationwide release called The Deer King. The last survivor of a band of warriors is enslaved in a salt mine. One night, savage dogs attack and a mysterious disease wipes out everyone at the mine. The warrior escapes with a little girl while a gifted physician looks for a cure. This is an animated movie with no one of note in the vocal cast. Finally, f***ing finally, a movie that's not trying to just shove a bunch of celebrities in your face. So this is an anime. And it's from someone who has worked on some of Miyazaki's films, first-time director, and this looks really good. After watching the trailer again, it gives me vibes that combine Lone Wolf and Cub, Samurai Champloo, and Princess Mononoke. We have this epic that just follows this guy who is a lone survivor. He doesn't know why, but he has a new purpose now. He wants to protect this little girl. This little girl who gets kidnapped and then he wants to go find her. The whole time this plague is sweeping around being spread by these dogs and there are people hunting him, people probably looking for the girl too, and it just looks like this epic that looks like it's going to be one of those movies to be remembered. And the person who's working on this, uh, so they say the person worked on Spirited Away, Paprika, and Your Name. Those are three fantastic movies. This looks like the kind of anime movie that I would miss when it was out in theaters, but all of my friends would talk about it. Everyone at the local anime convention, fanime, would talk about it. It looks like one of those films that's just a big deal, and I'm really excited to see it. My only wish is that it got a release with the original Japanese vocals and subtitles. I would like that. But as we know, sometimes you can get a good dub, and hopefully this is a good one, because nothing ruins a great anime more than a bad dub. But so far, everything points to this being a good movie, which is why it's a pick of the week. But the reason I said I think it's a nationwide release is because out of the different sources I use to tell me what movies are coming out, one says it's limited, one says it's nationwide. So I sure hope this is getting a wide release because I want you to get the chance to see it and I want to see this too. The Deer King looks beautiful. It looks epic and it looks like a great time and it gets a 10 out of 11. Well, my future friends, that is it for this episode. Please remember to share the podcast with your friends. Word of mouth is how we grow. Please remember to like and rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Remember to reach out to me. Hey, just ask me a question if you have one. Give me a movie recommendation. Ask me for a movie recommendation. Just reach out. You can find the ways to contact me in the link tree in the show notes. But my future friends, this is my birthday week. So if I don't do an episode next week, it's just maybe because I'm tired or I want a break. But hopefully I will be back next week, one year older. And please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.